Philanthropy. It's all about giving to the causes that matter to you the most and making a real difference in the lives of others. But is this an activity that is reserved just for the super wealthy? Or is it possible for the average person to become a philanthropist? What cause tugs at your heart that you wish you could provide funding for? Is there a way right now to live your dream with purpose? These are the blaring questions this podcast will explore. You'll hear from people that are making it happen, how they're doing it, along with tips, techniques, and ideas along the way. Prepare to get inspired, motivated, and learn as you step into the dream of living your best life with purpose. My name is Nancy Landa. Welcome to Cause Talk Radio. My guest on today's show is Ms. Stephanie Young. Stephanie is a certified life coach through the Life Mastery Institute and has published two books. She loves to help people get around grief and loss. Stephanie believes we have two choices in life. We can either give up or give it all we've got. And through Christ, anything is possible. Welcome to the show, Stephanie. Thank you so much for having me. Now, what was life like for you growing up as a young child? Well, I would say it was a little bit of a challenge. Um, My father was in prison most of my life and was raised by a single mother that would sometimes leave me with the grandparents, which I'm very thankful for because that's where I got a lot of my morals in life. Right. Um, I would say that it it was a challenge, but looking at all of it today, it made me the woman that I am now. So did you have siblings? I did. I had one older sister. She's three and a half years older than me, which was the influence to get me into the things, you know, come on, little sister. Right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I had one sibling. Okay. So who had the greatest influence on you as a kid? And I, would say, I would say my grandmother. My grandmother was just a punctual lady. She had high morals and a real strong faith in God. And she is also the one that would take me to church and just to help me see that sometimes we need to lean on our faith and not fear. And she was definitely my greatest influence in my life. So when you were in high school, what did you want to do with your life? What was your dream? Well, I never really knew what that was in high school. I don't think I found my purpose until a tragedy struck my life. Um, I always wanted to help people and I've always helped people, whether they'd come to me with their stories or just just in friends in general of just wanting to help people. I've always been a giver and I've always been able to listen to people's stories and put myself in their shoes. Right. And so and I've always been great at talking. <laughs> My nickname was actually Mouth when ah, I was young. <laughs> so what did you do after high school? After high school, I become a nail technician. I thought, well, you know, I used to paint my baby doll's fingernails when I was young. And so I thought, well, maybe I'm going to be a nail technician. So I did become a nail technician for 13 years and I enjoyed it very much. And then I became pregnant. And so I shut my nail shop down just in fear. I was a little bit older and I had already had one miscarriage and was fearful of that happening again. So I shut my nail shop down and then I still ended up having another miscarriage. Oh dear. Yeah. 
And so throughout that, then I've done everything. I've taught at schools. I've sold oil wells. I have been in sales a lot. I've done different, a lot of different careers that I think that have also stepped me into where I'm at now in my life as a life coach. Okay. I think that everything I went through kind of prepared me for today. So I know oftentimes our greatest strength is revealed to us through a tragedy. And I believe that is part of your story. Can you tell me about that? Yes, I can. Um, I think that I've probably suffered one of the greatest tragedies ever, and that is uh, losing my son. He was uh, 25 years old. And in 2012, he played a game called Russian Roulette and took his life. And of course, life as I knew it then, I thought was over. I really did pray and beg God to let me also die because I, my strength was just gone. Everything about me was gone. Yeah. And uh, after doing a lot of soul searching, a lot of praying, a lot of kicking, screaming, crying, begging him to take my life, I heard him tell me that he wanted me to use my story for his glory, that he wanted me to become a preacher. And comically, I laughed at that and I thought, me, you know, become a preacher. Um, But a few days later, I found a program through the Life Mastery Institute, and I signed up and become a certified life coach. And then after I become certified, I was sitting and thinking, wow, you know, he wanted me to be a preacher, but now I'm a life coach. So it's kind of the same thing. It is. And so I just laughed and I thought, you know, how humorous this really is because I am stepping in to do exactly what he wants me to do. And I hope that my story can help others. And so when I was calling out to him and he told me to become the preacher, I became the life coach. And this is what I do. I want to just help people understand that no matter what you're going through, your possibility is always more than your circumstance is. Yes. And anything that you're facing today I promise if you'll just reach out and have a little faith, it will pass. So let me ask you this, Stephanie, before you move on, because I know you have a lot to share with us. How did you get through your own grieving process? What, what did you do or what did God show you during that process to get you to move beyond it? Basically, you know, as I said, when I was crying out for him to let me also die, Mm -hmm. I was hearing him tell me that my purpose was greater than that, that sometimes things happen to us in life to put us where we belong in our purpose. And I don't really believe anything happens to us. I believe it happens for us. And even though I didn't realize it at the time, I'm now grateful for everything that has happened. I cried. I screamed. I did not have any support. My friends went away. My family went away. They didn't know how to comfort me. Yeah. They, they literally did not know what to say. And of course, I would tell them, I don't need you to say anything. Just be with me. Right. Just just be here for me. And, you know, a lot of times people will say the wrong things and like he's in a better place or be thankful for your daughter. And of course, I'm thankful for those things, but it doesn't replace my son. Right. And so the only thing I can say that I really did is I just cried and I grieved and I prayed and I prayed and I prayed and none of this is my strength. It's all through God that I'm able to do this, that I'm able to get up every day and make a choice 
that I'm going to make the best of this life. And I'm going to use my son's story and tragedy to hopefully help anybody that I can. Now, I know you you call it a suicide, but isn't it more like a bad accident? You could say that, but I think that my son suffered a lot with depression in his younger days. He also uh, become an alcoholic. Um, He was 25 when he did this. So I would say about 21, he really started drinking heavy alcohol. And he told me one time that he was going to do it before, but that God wouldn't let him. And so as some part of me become an ease about that, thinking, okay, well, He's not really going to do it. You know, God's going to save him. But then he found out about this game called the Russian roulette and asked me if I'd ever heard about it, which I had not. And I think that 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 gave him a way to be a little braver to do it. I mean, I will never know. I will never have the answers. You know, I prayed about it. God gave me only the answers that he wanted me to have. Now, who was he playing that game with? Himself. He was he just was, playing it all by himself. Yeah, he was on Skype uh, with a couple other people that were also playing it. But, you know, he was virtual. It wasn't no one right there okay. with him. Right. And one of the girls that was on, I later talked to, she said that she's seen it happen. She's seen, you know, him put the gun up and she heard the shot. But she thought that he was just playing with her. She didn't know that he'd actually done it. Mm. And uh, me and my Husband and my daughter had left for the weekend to go to Yellowstone National Park. And, uh, of course, when I came back home, he had lived in a little apartment adjacent to our house. And I wondered why he hadn't came over, you know, and to see about our trip or anything. Right. So after about an hour, I went over. And on my way over there, I literally seen in my head what I opened the door to. Mm. But I was in denial and I opened the door and I screamed his name and I walked over there to him. And of course he was already gone and I seen the bullets laying around and the gun and the alcohol. And, you know, I'm very thankful also for that because had the girl called the police, then I wouldn't have been able to see the situation. Right. And even though it's tragic to me, it's also just healing in a part that I could see exactly what was going on and what had gone on. And I know that I kind of keep going off track here because again, I do just have so much to share, but the point of it is, is that, you know, God, everything that he puts in our life is for us. And I know that my son would not want me to be grieving and not choosing to be the best that I can. So sometimes I think about him as well. What would he want me to do? And I know that he's still with me. I have signs daily, you know, and it's not how I want him to be with me, but I know that his presence is still with me through God. Right. And, and again, you know, I know that, I know that he probably regretted what he done right after he done it. I don't think that he wanted to die. I think that he was afraid to live. Yeah, it's a big difference. Big difference. Very big difference. What are the signs that someone needs assistance with grieving or even with contemplating suicide? I've, I'm sure you've gone down this path of 
thought process yeah. of what could I have done differently? Definitely. Um, <laughs> and, that, and that's always a kind of a slippery slope because then you get into, you know, condemning yourself and, and you just don't want to go there. But what are the signs that someone needs assistance? Yeah. Like at first, of course, you feel like a failure. I felt like a failure as a mother. You know, mm-hmm. what could I have done? Should I have done all the things that I would have, should have, could have done, but didn't. Um, but I think that, you know, as the children nowadays, it's just so hard. You know, they're bullied. They're being told you're not good enough and all of these different things that will sometimes get in there and create a monster in the mind. Yes. Uh, my son never felt like he fit in. He would, he, he struggled to make friends. He struggled to fit in, which I would always say, you're not meant to fit in. You're meant to stand out. But he did, he really suffered from a deep depression that I couldn't understand. And he did cry out to me a couple of times and I did try to get him help. But the thing of it is that the help would only be medication or lock you up. It was never to go into your mental capabilities and find out what are those thoughts that you're thinking that created this physicalness in your body. Right. Because, you know, you can even just think of the thought of a lemon and you can think of that juiciness and the citrusy smell of the lemon. And just thinking that thought makes your mouth secrete more saliva. Right. So when you have those thoughts, the depression thoughts, the anxiety thoughts, it too creates physical reactions in your body. So I think that my son just started dwelling on the fact that he didn't fit in. He didn't feel like he was enough. And he got this idea, well, maybe I can just kill myself and it'll be over. It'll be easier. So I think that just the depression itself, you, it's hard to look at a face because a smiling face can be one of the saddest people in the world. Right. But I think that withdrawal, isolation, um, feeling, like I said, not feeling good enough, not feeling like you fit in, maybe just not even feeling like you're heard. You know, I think that people with true deep depression, they just want to be heard and they want to be seen. And when they feel like they are, then maybe it helps. Maybe it don't. Maybe some people are destined to do this. I really haven't had that figured out yet. So Stephanie, you, you work with, with people from all walks of life, you work with, you know, as a life coach, you work with people that could potentially be suicidal. Yes. To get them off, you know, talk them down off the cliff, so to speak. Yeah. And you also work with people who have lost people from suicide. Is that correct? Yes, ma'am. I want the people that are suicidal to understand that you're special, you're unique. Your thumbprint is one of a kind. There is one special thing that you are to bring to this world that no one else can. And if I can get them excited about something they love, the passion, then they don't have time to be depressed and suicidal. Right. And the families that I try to help is just like, look, all I can say is I know how you feel. I'm there with you. Unfortunately, we're walking this path together. And all I can say is I can support you. I can help you. I can inspire you to understand that it is a choice. It it would be very easy for me to lay in bed every day, cover my head up and say, I can't do this world. I can't do this life. Yeah. Or I can choose to get up and make the best of it 
and also in that help others find their way. Which gives you a purpose. Yes, which in turn helps heal me too. Yes, absolutely. It really does. Now, some of my questions are just about the grieving process alone, because that's something that we all have to go through at some point in our life. And um, so I've heard that the time it takes for people to go through the grieving process is different from one person to the next, that there isn't a time limit. So when you're helping someone through that process, is the point to help them get through it quicker than they could on their own so they can get on their own lives? Or is it, is there a different motivation or mindset involved? I just think that it's okay. I want them to know it's okay. If you have a bad day, if something, if you just can't pull it together, it's okay. Cry, grieve, scream, shout, do whatever you must, but don't stay there. And, you know, being vulnerable is a very big part of the process and it should be accepted by others because sometimes we feel like if we are grieving, our family members are uncomfortable and they want us just to move on and get over it. Well, that's just grief to me is love that we have no place for anymore. It has no place for anymore because that person's gone. So our love will always remain and continue as strong as it ever was. The, the part of it is now that we have, we don't have that person here to share that with anymore. So I just say it's just a process that it's okay to grieve. Don't stay there and then look for something that you love to do, that you're excited to do, that will help you move past the bad, bad days. And they're always going to come. Well, before we yeah. started recording this session, I told you my story. And I'll, I'll reiterate it again, because I think the listeners might be able to um, gain, glean something from it as well. When I was 16 years old, I had a younger brother who was 14. And, you know, we were at home after school. Our parents were both um, at work still. And um, my brother had a had a paper route. And so he left to go on his paper route. And that was the last time I saw him alive. He was hit by a car right, right by our road um, and didn't survive. I mean, he survived in the ambulance, but, you know, he died later on the operating room table. Um, And, and so I watched my parents totally, you know, come unglued, of course. Yes. And I know you can relate to that. And my sister had a boyfriend at the time, and so she had somebody to comfort her, but I didn't have a boyfriend at the time. And so I was like, I need to be the strong one in the family. I'm 16 years old, and I think I have to be the strong one to hold my family together. And every year around that time that he died, for many years, I'm talking, you know, 20 years maybe, I would kind of fall apart about that time. I'd have, you know, my cry and, and, you know, the next day I was, you know, back on life and things were, went back to normal. And it all came to an end when my oldest daughter um, had come home from a date and she and I would sit up talking for hours, you know, but it was around that time of the year. And so I was kind of emotional about it. And she actually cried with me. Mm-hmm. And when she cried with me, I can tell you it was the last time I cried for my brother. And it was like something inside me was finally healed 
Yes. And I could move on. Now, when I think of my brother, it's it's wonderful thoughts. It's, you know, wonderful memories. And I look forward to seeing him again when I get to heaven because I know he's there. That's right. That's exactly right. I think so a lot of things- the healing process took a long time for me, but because I felt like I didn't have any support system. Yes. And I think a lot of people don't have that support system when they're going through. You didn't. Right. I did even, not. Even though you had family around you, they they weren't around you when you needed them to be That's around right. you. Just wow. having somebody cry with you was yes. such a healing thing for me. And I, I tend to be a little bit, you know, controlled. Mm-hmm. I don't like feeling out of control emotionally. And so mm-hmm. that may make my healing process more difficult. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you could be your own worst enemy in some, some respects. Definitely. Um, <clears throat> but until I had somebody actually cry with me for my brother's death, I, I wasn't able to get beyond it. That's beautiful. And I can definitely relate because, uh, you know, again, a lot of my conversations was with God yeah, and, and just the, the signs that I would get when I have the worstest day ever, you know, a song would come on the radio or a smell in the air, or I've literally even felt tapping on my arm. Yeah. And some would say that I'm crazy, but you know, that's just what I believe that in my greatest time of grief, that he does comfort me and that he is still with me and that I will see him again someday. Yes. And I have, and like you said, I have many losses. There's many people that I have lost. I don't think that, you know, I'm able to grieve the same way because once you lose a child, it's just, it's, it's untouchable in a way. Right. But it's, it's all still the same. We're all going to grieve. We're all going to lose people at some point in our life. And again, I think, you know, I tell my friend all the time, it's faith or fear. Neither one of them have happened yet. And if we just lean on our faith, everything works out in the everything end. Does. It does. It, it always does. And it, we may not know, you know, I got so upset because people would say, oh, well, there's something really good going to come out of this. And at that time, I'm like, there's no way nothing good could come out of me losing my son. I wouldn't trade the world for him. But right. now, you know, eight years, nine years later, now I see the good out of it, despite the tragedy. Right. Now, when you're helping someone through grief and loss, how do you keep yourself positive emotionally and not getting sucked into that dark place where they may be? You know, that's that's a great question because sometimes I do. Sometimes we just cry together. Sometimes if I'm speaking to a mother that is exactly where I'm at, we just cry. And that's what she needs. That's what she needs. And then because she may not have that person, like you said, just to sit and cry, cry with them and say, I understand your pain. I don't, you know, we don't need to say nothing. Let's just sit and just grieve together. And then other times, you know, like I said, a lot of people will get so stuck in it that they forget their passions, their purpose in this life. And so just trying to, you know, inspire them to get back out and get up and start living your life again. And what would that person want you to do? What would they, you know, what would they be excited about if you could come to them and say, Hey, I'm doing this now because of you. And I just, I I hear my son a lot saying, you know, mom, you can do this. You can do this. Cause I've doubted myself, you know, as I told you before we, before this, we, you know, we doubt ourselves sometimes and we think, 
well, who's going to listen to me or who even cares? But it's not about me. It's about God and it's about my message. And it's about, you know, my son had was a beautiful, beautiful soul. And I just want him to be remembered in a way that it's really unexplainable. You know, I just want his story to be told that that brings light to the subject. So what I'm saying is it's it's, sometimes I do go down with my clients or we either bring each other up and it helps both of us in the process. Right. Well, that's that's really now you offer one on one coaching as well as group coaching, right? Yes, ma'am. How does someone choose one or the other? Are there specific circumstances where group coaching would be more beneficial than one-on-one? Yes. um, You know, like if it's a whole family, maybe a family of five that just lost someone, especially to suicide or however, uh, then they may want to do a group coaching where we can all, you know, they can all put their ideas and everything into the group. Or then sometimes one-on-one is they just really don't want to share that with anyone else. They want it to be more personal, about, yeah. Just, yeah, more private. And so that would really be the difference. It just depends on if you want to share with a group or if you want it personally, individually private. That makes sense. So how can my listeners get in touch with you? Um, I have a Facebook page called Discovering the Power Within on Facebook. Okay. Um, you, you also, my website is listed on that page. If you click on it, you can go to my website. And then um, I have an email at Stephanie Michelle at live.com. Okay. Stephanie Michelle at live.com. Okay. Yes. And I respond within 24 hours to anyone that reaches out to me. And uh, just looking forward to helping to inspire. I'll be sure to put those all those links in the show notes. Um, just make sure you get the the website and the Facebook page to me. Yes, I sure okay. will. Well, Stephanie, it's been such a pleasure having you on the show today. Thank you for taking the time out of your busy day to be here with me. Is there anything else you'd like to share before we go? Oh, I just want to say believe in God in the, and anything is possible through Christ. Amen. <laughs> Well, folks, if Stephanie has inspired you today and you'd like to reach out to her, listen carefully when the music starts so you know exactly what to do. Hey, thanks so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode and were inspired by the content that was presented. Don't forget to click the subscribe button so you'll be notified as soon as new episodes are available. For more information about anything on today's show, head on over to causetalkradio.com. Click on the podcast link where you'll find all the information covered on today's podcast, including links for easy navigation.